Hello everybody and welcome to 38 Weeks to Go, your weekly podcast about fantasy football. I am your host, Nash, and let's review Game Week 21. How was Game Week 21 for you? This was our first week without Haaland, Salah, Son, and that meant 12 different captains for us. So, did you choose the right one? How are you feeling about the future? I, for one, brought Palmer back in like I said I would. And I was like, I'm all in. I just put him captain. I just said, I will live and die with Palmer. Thankfully, that worked out. And that really helped my team gain over 70 points, which was really helpful in my attempts to climb up this table. So, let's go over the fixtures. Burnley 1, Luton 1. If you're a Burnley fan, this was so painful. Because Morris scored in the 90 plus minute and it was such a weird goal because it could have been disallowed in 9 out of 10 games because the keeper was infringed upon. Amduni scored for Burnley and like I said, Morris scored in the last minute of the game and Doty provided the assist. Doty continues to provide. He is amazing. If Luton do go down, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays up, ending up in a team like Wolves, or maybe even Tottenham, (laughs) who knows. It was a championship clash, Burnley will feel like they deserve to win this game, and Luton will be happy to have gone with a point. Amduni got the three bonus points, Morris got two, and Kaminsky got one. Chelsea won Fulham zero. I chose Palmer as my captain because... I realized that Fulham were missing somebody in the center, back position, and it will be. And those two have been really good when Fulham have been good. And so I thought that Fulham would struggle to be good immediately. And so that was my gamble. That's honestly why I chose Palmer as my captain. I thought Chelsea had a really strong chance to win this game. And they did. 1-0. It wasn't pretty. And it was a penalty. And Palmer was the one who took the penalty. Chelsea have won more penalties than any other side this season. And Raheem Sterling has won more penalties than any other player this season as well, which is three. Palmer has broken the 100 points barrier and has registered 14 goal involvements, which is nine goals and five assists. And that's good considering he wasn't an immediate starter. I may have my problems with him, but he delivered for me today for the first time. So I'm happy. Fulham seemed depleted. They had their chances, but they weren't so good. Chelsea had many more chances. They were the better team. And they have now won three games in a row. They were profligate in front of goal. And if they continue like this, they will be losing more games than they will be winning. They need to be taking advantage of the opportunities they create. Also, for whatever reason, Chelsea seem to be a team that just can't stop getting yellow cards. So it feels like every other few games, somebody will be almost suspended or be suspended. They aren't quite disciplined yet. Palma got three bonus points. Petrovic, the goalkeeper, had three bonus points. And Colwell got one bonus point. If you believe in Fulham, this is no reason to worry. They will figure things out. Man City 3, Newcastle 2. This game was so action-packed from the beginning. And it seemed like it was going to be Newcastle's way up until the 70... 70th minute when De Bruyne checked in. 
Oh my goodness. Has somebody ever reminded you that they're world class without telling you they're world class? KDB came in and the game ended. It was messy like in terms of impact. He scored one and set up the other. KDB is back back. Goodness, now when Haaland comes, I don't even know what's going to happen. KDB was the story of the game. In the 21 minutes that he played, he had nine crosses, created three chances, had two shots on goal, and had a goal and an assist. What is that? That is just wild. Up until that point, Newcastle had the chances to have put this game away. Isak and co. looked like the better team. Aaron Gordon was doing Aaron Gordon things. Manchester City are the better team. We all know this. But Newcastle really gave them a run for their money. And if you saw the celebrations at the end, you'd have thought they won the World Cup. Isak scored the first goal and it was a nice curling effort. Gordon also scored and it also was a nice curling effort. If you're a video game player, it was like a finesse finish. Bruno Guimaraes and Dan Byrne had the assists for Newcastle. Bernardo scored with a cheeky, beautiful back heel. KDB came on and then scored. And then he gave a lovely pass for Bob to score the winner. Rodri, Walker and KDB had the assists for this game. Newcastle have now lost six of their last seven matches. I know their defense isn't great, but Dubravka has made 39 saves, which is more than any keeper since Pope went down. He has been making over three saves a game. Newcastle are not a team in form, and I will be looking to move off Trippier and moving off their defense in general until things stabilize. Anthony Gordon is now their best player, and by that I just mean he has scored the most goals and assists, which is 12. A combination of the two. As you will imagine, KDB had the three bonus points. Bernardo Silva had two. Bob had two. Walker had two. For all of you guys who had Foden as your captains, <laughs> I just want to say sorry. Moving on. Everton, zero. Aston Villa, zero. I have never been so happy with a result like I was with this one. Aston Villa deserved the victory and they deserved to win. They were the better team. They had the better chances, the clearer chances. They just didn't take them. I had Pickford and Mikolenko, so I wanted a clean sheet, and the clean sheet is what I got. I really gambled this weekend with two defenders from Everton and two defenders from Arsenal. Dominic Calvert-Lewin should have won the game for these guys, but he is like a reverse Solanke, and that's not a good thing to be. You can't depend on him, and you can't rely on him to score. Pickford was tested, he made four saves. And he got two bonus points even. Martinez was also tested and he made good saves. So keepers were the stars of the show. So it was Martinez 3, Pickford 2 and Moreno 1. Moreno had a goal disallowed. It was super tight. But still offside. So I saw some of you guys had Pau Torres and he didn't play. Polesana. And some of you had Captain Watkins. I'm very sorry. That might have been the worst captain choice this weekend. Especially considering he had a yellow card. Manchester United 2, Tottenham 2. Man United scored two goals in this one. It was a laboured effort. I'm not sure how you guys feel about this, but the more I watch Rashford, I'm like, this guy doesn't make very good decisions. Maybe I'm always looking out for him because I expect higher things of him, but maybe if I lower my expectations of him, I won't have anything to say about him. Rashford scored and Hoyland scored. Hoyland has a goal and assist in this game. He did well, considering he had very little to work with in that game. 
Spurs had the most possession. I think they played better football. They do. They just play good football nowadays. Timo Werner made his debut and it was an interesting debut because he had an assist for Betancourt's goal, which was the equaliser. And he caused trouble. You know, Werner is fast. He knows how to cause trouble. He just has very little to show for his efforts at the end. But that boy will cause you trouble and trouble he caused. I think with him, finishing is a mental thing. And once he can overcome that huddle, he will be a monster. But I think for him to recover his touch, he probably just needs to be put out there and he just needs to miss all of them. Like he finishes missing them. (laughs) And then maybe he'll start scoring. Basically, just stick with him if you're a manager. Richarlison, on the other hand, has no such problem. He has continued to score. He has now been directly involved with 10 Premier League goals this season. That's wild. Especially over the last seven weeks, he has been amazing. And so I'm just over here looking at my team and being like, okay, how am I going to put this boy in? Him and Diego Jota, those are the two boys coming into my team. Pedro Porro has been great. We've been talking about him for a while now. He had an assist as well, and he finished with two bonus points. He is the set-piece taker. He took the corner that was the goal. He created five chances in this game. For those of you who were being sneaky and brought in McTominay, you would have been rewarded if he scored that last gasp header at the end. They could have won the game. He definitely would have gotten bonus points. So it was a a sneaky gamble and almost paid off. Hoyland got the three bonus points. Pedro Porro got two. And Richarlison got one. So that happened last weekend. Now, this weekend was Arsenal and Crystal Palace kicking it off. Arsenal 5, Crystal Palace 0. I was so panicked before this game because I had two Arsenal defenders. So when Gabriel scored in like the seventh minute, I was just like, oh, Jesus loves me. And then he scored again. I'm like, what? Two goals? Is it Christmas? So of course, one was eventually declared an own goal. But he was immense. He did his job. He knew he had to win for me and for Arsenal, of course. Yeah. Gabriel scored. Dean Henderson scored. <laughs> Dean Henderson being Crystal Palace goalkeeper. Trossard scored. And Martinelli scored too. 100 seconds apart, identical finishes, identical goals. Nice curling finesse effort. Gabriel Jesus had an assist. Gabriel had an assist. Jorginho had an assist. Nketiah had an assist. And Rice had an assist. Where was Saka? Nowhere. If you've listened to some of the interviews with like Mike Wow and Moses Chege, they are both of the belief that Saka is a bit of a scam. <laughs> I think scam is too harsh, but I don't believe he's worth the money he is. Now that Gabriel Jesus is back, let me present to you a theory that worked for me last season. If Gabriel Jesus is playing, Martinelli flourishes. I don't know why. But that was the formula last season. And it seems to be back. Martinelli could be a very interesting differential. But don't run to him so quickly like some of you guys did after Doku had his like five goals. And then he proceeded to do nothing for the rest of the season so far. Watch it a bit. And then make a decision. Crystal Palace lost Olise. And they had Eze who had just pretty much maybe just one dangerous shot. And there's just something about that team. They cannot function without each other. And having the absences is really hurting them. And on top of that, they're already in bad form. I'm wondering if their manager will last till the end of the season. I'm not sure he will, but let's see. Maybe if he gets his players back, they can pick up and get some form. 
Maybe Crystal Palace, as long as they're missing their dynamic players, are a team to bet against. Martinelli got three bonus points, Gabriel got two, and Raya got one. To be honest, I'm surprised about Raya because I thought they kept a clean sheet in spite of him. He's a bit shaky. But he's good with his feet, so I guess you take some here and you lose some there, and that's that. You make your bed and you lie with it. Brentford 3, Nottingham Forest 2. So, I saw somebody very, very brave, and I have to shout you out, Mr. Leon Mortier. On his comeback, he put Tony as his captain. That was brave. But he was quickly rewarded when Ivan Tony scored a free kick. A very cheeky free kick, if you've seen all the hula-baloo about it. He moved the ball just a bit to the side and scored with ease. Some of the comments were like, once a cheat, always a cheat. <laughs> it was a well-contested game, and this saw Brentford win 3-2. Brentford got some much-needed points. Tony was a good boost to them. Nottingham first lost a bunch of players. I had Delange in my team. I thought he was going to play it, but then I found out he was injured in game time. So, yeah. They're still missing some players on top of all the Africans that have gone for the Africa Cup in their team. But Nottingham Forest scored a really good goal with Danilo. It was a really, really good goal. For me, it was the goal of the game. Ben Mee scored for Brentford, Tony, and Mope. Mope also had a really good finish. Danilo and Wood scored for Nottingham Forest. For Nottingham Forest, Callum Hudson-Odoi had the assist. And for Brentford, Jensen, Roslev, and Damsgaard had the assists. Tony had the three bonus points. Danilo and Wood had two bonus points apiece. Sheffield United 2, West Ham 2. Let me tell you, I was really looking forward to this game. I wanted Bowen to have a hat-trick because that would have really propelled me up the table. It was not meant to be. 2-2. But then the other thing I wanted was Ariola to concede. And thankfully he did. This game had fireworks towards the end of the game. With a late goal, two red cards. It was quite a finish. New signing Bereton Diaz scored for Sheffield. If you do not know his backstory, just look into it. He's got such an interesting tale about how he went from the championship as an Englishman to Chilean national player to Villarreal, then back to England and then making his debut in the Premier League and scoring. Cornet, who was Burnley's main player last season, scored. And then Wood Prowse scored what we thought would be the winner. And then Matt Burnley scored the actual equaliser which tied the game 2-2. Making a rare start was Danny Ings and he had two assists for West Ham. And Osula had the assist for Sheffield. Ariola conceded, so phew. The guy I was competing with to be number one this week had him as his keeper, so I really wanted him to concede. Ward Prowse had the three bonus points, Danny Ings had two, and McBurney had one. Liverpool, four, Bournemouth, nil. Now, Bournemouth have been in good form of late, and we were hoping that they would capitalize on Liverpool's apparent weakness in that Salah's gone. But, as the results show, that isn't exactly how it went down. Liverpool have shown that they have a big team, and they're a big club, and people rise up to the occasion. They were just simply dominant. Darwin, two goals. Diego Jota, two goals. Diego Jota, an assist. Gagpo, Gomez, and Bradley, assists. Sometimes, even if you're in good form, you just play the team that's better. And Liverpool were the better team. They were just the better team. I don't, there's not much to say here. The better team won this game. It doesn't say anything bad about Bournemouth. 
they're still going to be okay next week when they play whoever they play, but this game was maybe not for them. <laughs> so now that we have had our answer as to how Liverpool look without Salah, it's clear that you have Darwin Nunez, Diogo Jota, Gakpo as frontrunners for people you should consider, and maybe one of the defenders. So Jota had the three bonus points, Darwin had two, and Gomez had one. The final match of Game Week 21 saw Brighton take on Wolves. It ended 0-0, a draw just like the first game. I tried watching this game and it was a bit of a dull affair for me. The first half was really tough. Wolves had the better chances. The second half was more entertaining, but still Wolves. Brighton tried, but in the end, a draw was a fair result. Cunha was lively, Neto was lively, Lemina was lively, and for Brighton, João Pedro had their best chance. It was the goalkeepers who really carried the day in this match. When it comes to the bonus points, Steele had three from Brighton, which shows he did really make some very good saves. Estupinian had two, and José Sá had one. Ever since Estupinian returned, Brighton have been better at the back. There were five clean sheets in game week 21. This means that a lot of defenders got points this time around. So, when we look at goalkeepers, Steele and Petrovic had 10, Martinez and Pickford had 9, Raya, Jose Sa had 8, Becker, Kaminsky had 5. When it comes to defenders, Gabriel leads away with 17, Gomez from Liverpool has 10, Estupinian and Bradley have eight. Alex Moreno, me, and Colwell have seven. Oh, in case you're wondering, Bradley's a Liverpool player, and he's 4.0. Alex Moreno, me, Colwell had seven. Fifteen defenders had six. Defenders really carried away. When it comes to midfielders, Diogo Jota was the highest with 19 points. Martinelli had 14. De Bruyne had 12. Palmer had 10. Ward Prowse had nine. Trossard, Bernardo, Silva, Bob, Danilo, and Richarlison had eight. Bertrand Diaz and Cornet had seven. When it comes to strikers, Darwin and Hoyland had 11. Ings had 10. Amduni had nine. Tony and Wood had eight. Morris had seven. When it comes to points this week. The highest points had 138. The average was 47. So if you got 47 and above, well done. I think the real aim is to get 50 and above. If you do that, I think you're in good standing. When it comes to the 38 weeks to go table, there's no change at the top. Alexander Mutune is still number one. I was really worried for him, but then his captain choice really saved him. He had Darwin Nunez as captain. Well done, he has stuck with him for a while now. And he really came in clutch. We have a new person in number two, and the new person is an old person, and it is Leon Mortier. He captained Ivan Tony, and that was a, a really risky move, but it paid off, he got 71 points. Simnani Jua and Vic City, they lost their positions. Simnani Jua became number three with 54 points, and number four is Vic City with 58 points. Now, at the top, number one has 12.75. Number two has 12.61, so there's a 14-point gap. Number three is one point behind him, 
with 1260 and number 4 has 1251 so it's just 9 points behind number 3 and then number 5 is Mr. Adan who didn't do so well this week I think he forgot to make his team and he got 1204 points at the bottom of the table it's just red 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 everybody lost their position it seems Jeremiah Biri until Haaland comes back he's a mess he got 38 points and he has 883 points Melvin Kathrima is number 23 he got 36 points and has 907 Moses Kubwa who was interviewed recently has 49 points and 1002 number 21 is Muhammad Jibril he has 10,000 <laughs> look at me saying 10,000 1009 points he has 47 and rounding up the top or rounding down I guess the bottom five is the Ghana Gaderu with 1017 points he got 58 I was your weekly tally leader with 78 points number two was Hans Gruber with 75 number three was Dark Horse Mr. Ellie with 72 points who is slowly climbing up the table and number four is Leon Mortier with 71 points and at number five we have Maina Kamau and Alexander Mutune who are tied with 61 points due to Africa Cup and the Asia Cup there were many changes made to most teams this week Salah was the most sold player this week Son followed him in second place Kudus was third Chan was fourth Alexander Arnold and Matty Cash were fourth I mean were fifth and sixth coming in to replace them number one was Phil Foden a lot of you had faith in Phil Foden and I'm sorry because he did not perform he was brought in by no less than eight managers now the really brave ones six managers brought in De Bruyne well done that was a great call I didn't have the balls for that Palmer was brought in in third place by four players me included tied with him was Saka and as you know Palmer did really well Saka did not Estupinian, Pedro Porro and Bowen were brought in by three managers. Gross and Tony were brought in by two. Lacking Haaland, Salah or Son meant that we were a bit uh, clueless as to who to be our captain. So in our group we had 12 different captain choices and it ranged from Foden to De Bruyne to Saka to Palmer to even Tony to Alvarez. It was quite a wild wild west. Those of us who got above 70 points had a combination of Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool and Everton defence. I'm pretty sure that this coming week we'll see us maybe have 12 more different captain choices. But I think people will settle more to people who performed this past week. This coming weekend we'll see the FA Cup action take place again. Which means the games will not be on Saturday and Sunday. But will be on the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday next week. Kicking us off for game week 22 will be Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest. I am beginning to wonder whether the loss of so many players to Africa Cup has affected Nottingham Forest. The showing over the weekend shows that they're a bit um, soft and they can be cotton at. And Arsenal, <sighs> goodness, who better to get at people than Arsenal right now? If you're looking at Nottingham Forest, your best bets are Wood and maybe Hudson-Odoi and maybe Danilo who scored. Depending on if Alanga is back, 
I would recommend Ilanga, and if Morgan Gibbs-White is back, I would recommend him as well. For Arsenal, you have Martinelli, you have Jesus, you have Odegaard. Uh, I wouldn't say Saka, but I'm reluctant to. His, his price now is too high to justify the lack of returns that you are getting, or rather not getting. If you want to stick with Arsenal defenders, Zinchenko, Gabriel, or whoever you have, Saliba, Ben White, those would be the ones. I am rooting for Arsenal in this game. I think they have the better opportunity to win. Fulham versus Everton. Everton were really fortunate last time out not to concede against Aston Villa. But I think this time they have a lesser threat in Fulham. Fulham are not Aston Villa. Fulham have lost two good players to Africa Cup in Bassi in defence and Iwobi who was showing some great form, especially moving forward. He was a drive. Now, Everton have some of their players back and they are not easy to defeat. Fulham were also recently toothless against Chelsea and this is the kind of game which could easily be a draw. In their recent history, Fulham have won three out of their five games They've drawn one and lost one. So history favours Fulham. But given the Africa Cup absences, there might be a chance for Everton to exploit the weaknesses, even though this is not a good fixture for them. If Fulham are to do anything, William Pereira, Dikodover-Reed, maybe Harry Wilson, of course Raul Jimenez will be the driving forces. For Everton, if you're really a gambler, you'd take Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but he's really underachieving compared to the chances he gets. Dukure, Harrison, Dwight McNeil are better options for you. To be honest, I just bank on their defense. For some reason, they keep getting clean teats. I don't know why. So that's why I'm hoping for a draw. Luton versus Brighton. The last time they met, Brighton hammered them 4-1. But Luton have grown a lot since then. And I don't think the gap will be as huge as it was then. Also, since then, Brighton have had quite a few injuries and are not quite the same team that they were when they last faced off. Brighton should be the better team, but Luton have a lot of fight in them and Doty and Morris will lead the way for that. For Brighton, Cross, Welbeck, João Pedro will be your favourites and Estupinian, he seems to have been returning every week since he came back. Crystal Palace versus Sheffield. It wouldn't surprise you to know that Crystal Palace have a favourable record against Sheffield. They've won their last three encounters. Sheffield are a bit unpredictable in that they do put in a good effort. They put in a good shift against West Ham the other day. So they will make this interesting. Crystal Palace aren't strong right now. They have a lot of absences and a lot of injuries. And this makes this game, even though still slightly favoured to Crystal Palace, it's an open game. And I see both sides scoring, if I'm honest. McBurney, McAtee, Archer are favourites from the Sheffield side. From Crystal Palace, you have Eze, you have Mateta. And to be honest, I really struggle after that. The next game is Aston Villa versus Newcastle. The last time they met, most recently, Newcastle hammered Aston Villa on opening day. 5-1. Since that match, both of these teams... The trajectory has really shifted and Newcastle has dropped off a lot while Aston Villa have really shown themselves to be a potential contender even. Just listen to this. So Newcastle won their last encounter 5-1. 
Then Newcastle drew 3-3 with them. Then Aston Villa beat them 3-0. Then Newcastle beat them 4-0. So, <laughs> it's safe to say that it's going to be quite an interesting game with goals promised. However, if you take into consideration Newcastle's away form and the recent form of losing, I think, six in the last seven games, this is a great combination for you guys who have Aston Villa players to be like, hmm, there's a potential for something here. And then also given Aston Villa's home record, this game could be a lot more one-sided in favor of Aston Villa. I'm actually considering bringing in Watkins for this game, even though he has had a poor run of form of late. The best player to bring in from Newcastle is Gordon. That's it. A second is Isak. After that, you're really pushing it. I don't recommend Trippier anymore because that team cannot keep a clean sheet anymore and Trippier has dropped off in the last five or six game weeks. It's, is it a coincidence that they've lost in those games where his form has dipped? I don't think so. For Aston Villa, it's the usual suspects. You got Watkins, McGinn, Bailey, Diaby. Man City versus Burnley. Goodness, this game should be a walkover. They should just hand in the three points now. I don't know if you guys remember, but at the beginning of the season, this was an opening fixture. And Burnley players had Haaland as their captain. I'm really hoping Haaland is back because if he's back, he'll be my captain. He's already on my bench. He's just waiting. He's like, coach, put me in. I'm not going to lie. If Haaland's available, he will be my captain. But if he's not available, I still have Alvarez. I'm beginning to wonder whether I should put De Bruyne as the Salah placeholder. For those of you who have KDB, I'm sure you're thinking, easy captain choice. And you wouldn't be wrong. This is a great fixture. Considering Liverpool playing Chelsea, you never know what will happen in that game. Especially considering how the first one went. So I'd be looking at, let's see, Bernardo Silva... KDB, Alvarez, and Doku. If you believe in the defense, you should get one of the defenders. I can't even recommend you one because you never know who will play. So just choose the one who has been working for you. If you're a brave person and you want Burnley players, you're really looking at Amduni. Spurs versus Brentford. With Tony back, Brentford will be having a lot more confidence than they have in recent games. They will go for it. And as you know, Mr. Postacoglu really likes open football so i think this will be an open game with chances for both sides richarlison is your best bet in spurs and then followed by pedro poro then third is Werner, and if kulalevsky is back him and brennan johnson for brentford you have luca tony actually luca tony <laughs> eva Dori. but speaking of luca tony his header is the best head I've ever seen in my life. He's got a header from outside the box. Outside the box. Look it up. It's beautiful. But even Tony is the strongest recommendation from Brentford. And then Jensen and Mope. And then pick a defender because they always seem to have a defender who scores. Will it be me again? Maybe. Will it be Pinock? Maybe. The last encounters have been fairly balanced. 2-2. Then Brentford won 3-1. Then another 2-2 draw. Then a nil-nil draw, and then a Tottenham win. So, it could go either way. Recent form, of course, favours Tottenham. But just know, this is the kind of game that could go either way. Moving on, we have Chelsea versus Liverpool. The last seven encounters between these two sides has been a draw. Literally, 1-1, 0-0, 
So I'm going to say something very wild here. It's going to be a draw. Think of all the Chelsea managers that have come, and it has still been a draw. Isn't that wild? Even Porter got a draw. So for this fixture, you would either be looking to see, is it going to be a high-scoring draw, or is it going to be a nil-nil draw? Because if you think it's going to be a nil-nil draw, maybe you get your defenders out. If you think it's going to be a high-scoring draw, and by high-scoring, I mean 2-2. Maybe you bring in your Diogo Jota, and Nunez and Gakpo, and that's really it. Maybe Diaz, if you have to. For Chelsea, oh goodness, who do you bring on? Um, Sterling? Palmer? Bruges? Oh, it's so hard to recommend Chelsea players right now. But just know history says that this has been a very uneventful game. In the first encounter of the season, I thought Chelsea played much better than Liverpool did. And if they play that same game again, bring in Chilwell. <laughs> This is a game that made all of you believe that Chilwell is Roberto Carlos. Moving on, we have West Ham versus Bournemouth. It wouldn't surprise you if I told you that West Ham have a favourable record against Bournemouth. But under Andoni Iraola, their last encounter was 1-1. Bournemouth just took a heavy beating from Liverpool. And so they'll be looking to bounce back. West Ham drew 2-2 with Sheffield. So they will be looking to bounce back. This will be a game that will be quite interesting to watch. James Ward-Prowse was really good last time out, and Danny Ings was amazing. So Danny Ings, if you believe West Ham will get something, he could be a differential to have, especially for some of you who are trying to get off uh, Alvarez. Of course, Bowen will be somebody to get. Suchek, if you're that kind of guy like Mr. Mutune. And possibly a defender. I could easily see this game being a draw. If you're a Bournemouth guy... Then Solanke, Scott, Tavernier, Clivert, Senesi are your best bets. Then to the last match, you have Wolves versus Manchester United. Wolves have lost four of their last five games against Manchester United. I don't know how many of you remember the opening match of the season. Wolves were incredibly unlucky not to win that game. Let alone lose, but not to win that game. They were the better team, however you want to measure it, except the goal. <laughs> so not by always, but they were the better team. If all they do is show up and play that same game, they will win this game. The Korean guy is missing, but Neto is back, and he was quite impressive in the last outing. So Neto and Kunya are the strongest recommendations I would give for the Wolves team. When you're looking at Manchester United, Hoyland has recently begun scoring, and Rashford seems to be finding his scoring boots again. So there is an opportunity there for those two to show up again and make this game better than the last encounter was from a Manchester United perspective. There will be a new man in goal for Manchester United. I'm not sure if it's going to be Tom Heaton or the other guy, Bayindir. I hope that's the right way to say it. Alte. Let's see what happens. And this might be very important because depending on how this keeper who comes in performs, he may spell bad news for Onana. Onana who rushed back and blundered for his team as well. And who knows, maybe it's a tactic so that he can get back quicker. So Manchester United fans, don't worry. He'll be back in a game or two. Cameroon are doing nothing. They've lost one, drawn one. And it really depends on how their last game goes. If he loses it, he'll be back. Maybe next weekend. He might even be back in time for this game. So, Wolves, Cunha, Neto, Manchester United, Hoyland, possibly Rashford, Garnacho, maybe McTominay. And if you're a bit of a gambler, a defender. 
looking at the fixtures, I would say the most popular captains would be De Bruyne or a Man City player. I can see Watkins being a popular choice. I can see an Arsenal player also being a popular choice. And after that, who knows, maybe we'll have 10 more captains. Let's see what happens. Until then, we have 16 weeks left to go. How are you guys feeling? I am at that point where I'm beginning to wonder if I can really get into those European places. But this period of time presents a great opportunity for all of us with our captain choices, as there's no clear consensus. If we hit on our captains, we will really move. So here's me hoping that all of us get to move where we want to move. Have a great week, everybody. It's good to be back and see you on the pitch. Bye-bye.